wait, is this just audio or is this video too? I mean, so I pretty much just upload the video to YouTube just for my grandma. Um, I love that. Yeah, that's literally, she's like the only one who watches the YouTube. Like most people don't even know we have a YouTube. So I love that. That's so cute. Yeah, so like my grandma likes to like see us while listening to it. So that's the only Oh, that's so wholesome. Yeah, right. She's like our biggest supporter. Shouts to you, grandma. I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. Today for my first ever episode alone without Naomi. Big sad, miss you, Naomi. It sounds like she's dead, she's not. Um, <laughs> she just abandoned me, it's fine. Um, oh my gosh. We have a great guest for my first episode alone because obviously I'm very comfortable with you. We have my literal- <laughs> A little child. too comfortable. Yeah, right? <laughs> we have my <laughs> child, Kristen Ostrowski, one of the most talented photographers I've ever seen in my entire life. She taught me everything I know. And honestly, Kristen, when I first started photographing hockey, you could tell. You could tell oh where gosh. it intervened because it, the quality suddenly just went. Pfft. Things <laughs> changed. It just got significantly better. And I already know that I'm definitely going to ask you for one of your pictures to hang on my wall whenever I get my own place like you have behind you right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. But so Kristen specializes in photography. She was a softball player, but also loves hockey, and which is probably the hardest sport to photograph because it is so fast. It is so fast, and you need so fast. such a high-quality high camera for that. But Kristen, yeah. you're so, so good at it. So for beginners, why don't you tell, tell our many, many fans, since Naomi's not here, I have to make <laughs> a joke. Um, why don't you tell us how, how you got into photography in the first place? Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh gosh, I was like 15, I think 15 or, uh, no, I was 16. Um, because I had my first job with an AHL team and my dad and I, one day were cleaning out the basement. And my dad found his hogs, camera. Right? What's that? Ice hogs? Uh, Chicago wolves. Oh, okay. Close. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we were cleaning out the basement and my dad found his old camera. Um, and he was like, you know what, let's take this to the Blackhawks game and let's see if we can, uh, if we can get some pictures and I was like all right whatever like that's kind of your thing so you just you do whatever you want <laughs> you do and <laughs> yeah I was like this is not me I don't know why you're saying we but whatever um and my dad was super into photography when he was in college I think he was a photography minor um so that's like always kind of been his thing and we found that uh that old camera and we took it to the game and he literally pulled it out of the case and handed it to me and he goes all right let's see what you got <laughs> excuse me <laughs> Okay, and he's like, let's just, he's like, let's just go for it. I don't know, like do something, I guess. I was like, I don't know the first thing about photography. Like, I don't know why this is falling onto me. Um, so I just started kind of messing around and I was like, wow, I really suck at this. Like I am awful. And it like legitimately pissed me off that I was so bad at it. That that was kind of like my, my motivation, I guess, for getting better was I was so mad that I was so awful at it. Um, so I didn't tell my dad and I started sneaking his camera to Chicago Wolves games. Um, so I would get done working after the second intermission. So for the whole third period, I would just go sit somewhere in the stands and take pictures. Um, and probably like the seventh or eighth time I stole his camera, my dad finally found out. Um, I and I got, long. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I got in trouble, but it was all worth it. Um, I got to meet the Chicago Wolves photographer, um, 
Ross and he was super helpful. Um, talked to him quite a bit throughout college too. Um, but then eventually got a gig with the Gophers. Shout out to Brad Rumpel, who has been the most amazing mentor. Continues to be, he's absolutely the best. Um, and yeah, now I'm kind of here. I'm doing some work that is unreleased for many reasons. Um, but I am back into sports photography now, post post uh, COVID layoffs. So, right, yeah. And by here, she means Seattle, the Seattle, yes, area, Seattle, which I'm so yep. proud of you. I'm so proud of you. We're also, too far away, though. I know. I hate it. I miss you. It's I not really fair. I miss like calling you at three a.m. and being like, "Hey, I'm coming over." Yeah, just giving you my house key. Exactly. <laughs> I think I still have it somewhere because I never actually say, give it back. <laughs> that's hysterical. Just a monument of me. Yeah, and I just realized I forgot to mention Kristen was actually part of the Sporty Spice project. The project that Sporty Spice oh was born. Gosh. I mean, granted, you didn't do the video part. That was just me. And I did not. But yeah, you I honestly didn't do much for that project. Um, I was just kind of there. I was like, I slapped my name on the project. Um, and I don't know, that, that was not my favorite class in the world. Um, no, well, I proudly though. accepted that C. The project we did well, yeah, but we I proudly accepted the C in that class, yeah. You know what, yeah. you gotta take the L sometimes. <laughs> and I did, in that class I did. You know, it obviously didn't make that big of an impact on you. <laughs> I got a degree, you know, it's fine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, your photography is something that I've always been like really obsessed with. Um, it's just so, so incredible. And like when I was first asked to take pictures from my friends for this hockey team, my first thought was Kristen. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I had literally never, ever once in my life even thought to take pictures of hockey. And especially because, as you know, you know, being Auntie Ronto's best friend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Madison Square Garden is very strict with their policies of cameras and yes. stuff. So I never even like thought to bring it there. Um, and actually, I didn't even know the policy until like a few weeks ago. I was just like, well, that's lame. Um, <laughs> didn't know about that. Yeah, right. I was just like, well, what? Um, but anyway, yeah. So my I, I won't even um, like the lengths that I have gone to at, at certain times to before I was like legitimate in any way, um, like just the things that I used to do to sneak my camera into hockey games. Um, at one point, oh my God, don't, please, no one do this. But at one point at TD Garden, I used one of um, my Ronta jerseys. Like I was wearing one of my game-worn jerseys of his. And then I wrapped up my camera in another one. And then I told them like when I walked in and they were checking my bag at security, I was like, please don't touch that. That's a game-worn jersey. It's worth more than you. So like, don't touch it. And they were like, okay, fine. Um, yeah your that is, uh, that's that's fantastic yeah. I'm sure auntie was very proud of you for that <laughs> uh, he probably yeah he probably would have been I don't even think I told him that but yeah he probably would have been like that's my girl <laughs> <laughs> using his game worn jerseys for evil yeah hey hey it's not for evil it's for good it's for good <laughs> your photography again is absolutely incredible I mean Thank I'm definitely you. gonna link your page when I post this because everyone the world needs to see Kristen O photos <laughs> I don't think that I've posted on my Instagram since like March because I, I deleted my Instagram uh basically when the pandemic hit so right. I haven't actually posted anything new or updated I should because now that I actually have like more work to show but again unreleased so I haven't actually right. like 
posted anything anywhere yet. So um, eventually that time will come and it will be updated, but. I'm excited for that. But yeah, one thing I wanted to talk to you about was ownership of photos because that is something that drove me absolutely insane Ooh. when I was doing <laughs> photography because yes. people don't understand the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, like, I mean, and I money. don't know about you, but yeah, and money, but also when I was doing photography, I would have at least 5,000 pictures from each game and I'd have yeah. to sit there for hours going through it. I'm sure it was the same for you, especially because you were working on a much higher level than I was. I mean, the Gophers, that's like the best hockey that you could get to in college. And yes. yeah, I know that you also had some issues with that. So would you care to share some of your experiences um, about that? Yeah, so honestly, I think that most of my problems with photos weren't necessarily from like the University of Minnesota. Um, obviously, like when I was working for the U, it was um, as an employee. So like they technically owned all the rights to my photos. They still do. Um, so like even these photos that are on my wall, like I can't, I can't sell them. Um, I can't make any money off of them. They completely belong to the university. Um, but I think that most of my issues were from when I was shooting like AHL games, um, some other NHL games too, where players would see the photos posted on my, like my Instagram or my Twitter or wherever else. Um, and just like use them, which is kind of frustrating. Um, especially when I had like athletes wives DMing me like, Hey, can I pay you for this photo so I can get it printed to hang on a wall in my house? I'm like, wow, this is the way that it should be done. Right. Um, Actual. like exactly pay the person who created the photo like there's so much money and time and energy and learning that went into creating that one image and it's really frustrating when um when you aren't doing direct work like for like when I was working for the NHL it was like you know the athletes can use my photos whenever they want because they're all property of the NHL like that's who the photos belong to but when I'm working as just me those are my photos they belong to me um so I think that most of my frustration comes from comes from that yeah, I remember one specific time, we're not going to name this player, but a certain gopher, he posted one of your pictures without actually oh. you. And it was also I like such that. bad quality too, because he like ripped it off the page and it just decreased in quality so much. Yeah. I just, I don't know if you remember this. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. It, first of all, someone, because this was when your page was still like minor league photos. And someone, yes. some asshat had commented, oh, no wonder why it's <laughs> called minor league photos. Blah, blah, blah. And yes. I just remember getting shit on when I was like, hmm, maybe it would be better quality if you actually got the picture directly from the photographer instead of yes. stealing it from her. <laughs> well, what was funny was that that name was supposed to be like a play on the fact that I was like an amateur, like I wasn't right. a professional. That was like the whole joke. So then when they started joking about it, I was like, that just went like totally over your head. You? But also like, this was a screenshot from an Instagram page where Instagram already kills the quality of your photos. So like, yeah. what did you expect? Yeah, no, I <laughs> what did you think? So angry on your behalf that I just went that was honestly the guy's throat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was funnier to me than anything else because it just like, it made his Instagram page look bad. Um, I didn't really care because like anybody could just go to my page and like see the original. So I was like, whatever, it's fine. Like my watermark was literally on the photo yeah. um, for that reason. But I, that was really funny. Um, 
no, no hard feelings with that particular gopher. He ended up being a, um, a very good subject later on once I was uh, working a little bit more prof wow. professionally with the gophers as a staff photographer instead. A good photography subject, but not a good person subject. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he ended up like actually being a good source of like just humorous photos. Like he was always kind of that um, comedic relief that I needed, but yeah, that one instance was, that's really funny, actually, that you remember that, because I completely forgot until you um, just mentioned that. But yeah, I totally a thousand percent remember exactly what you're talking about. Honestly, the best part to me was, I don't even know if you knew that I did this, but I told his brother. Because no, I, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I was like really, <laughs> really good friends with his brother. Like I was real, that's the guy who sent me the Bible. Oh my gosh. The $60 Bible. And so oh like, gosh. obviously I was going to tell him, I was like, your asshat little brother is being a fucking shithead. <laughs> and he got so mad about that too. Not at me. He got mad at his brother because he was oh like my I don't know how much work goes into that like, yeah that it's definitely an expensive hobby um <laughs> I say as I now do this uh for a significant amount of money um <laughs> or a significant amount of my uh living money but yeah it's uh at the time when I was a student I was like yeah whatever it's fine um <laughs> especially because my photos were still so bad at the time like I still didn't really know what I was doing um, it was definitely more of like a hobby at that point, but I think that now that would, um, be a much different story if I was like not working for the university directly. Um, but yeah, I love seeing now, like seeing, um, guys who are like signing their first contracts and stuff with the teams that drafted them. I love seeing them use photos that I took of them when they were playing for the Gophers. Like that That's is Scott Reedy. <laughs> yes. I actually, I don't even know if he used one, but, um, I can't remember who it was now, but someone did use one. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like so fun to see. So um, I do know that the stick salute photo that I took um, at the at game three against, uh, oh my gosh, now why am I blanking on who it was? Notre Dame, right? It was Notre Dame. I right? think so, yeah. Oh my gosh, how do I not even remember who we played? Um, that is COVID brain. That's literally the definition yeah. of my COVID brain. <laughs> Um, but like my most memorable game, and I don't remember who it was against anyway. Um, <laughs> but I do know that that picture, <laughs> I know, right. I feel awful. Um, but that picture is actually hanging outside the, uh, coach, the coach's offices at, um, at Mariucci. So you're going to make me cry. Or in the, in the athletic building, actually, I think, I don't think it's at Mariucci, but my whole yeah. heart. Yeah. Like yeah. some of them were so respectful about it. Like they really meant well. Like they wanted to give you credit, but then you had those asshats, like that one specific dude who just could not <laughs> care less. He just was yeah. all about himself. And I used to always tell the players of the team that I photographed, I was like, you guys are lucky I don't put a um, watermark on my pictures. Straight across the whole thing. Yeah, I was going to put like <laughs> Rachel Greenstein across like the whole picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That is something that drove me absolutely insane. Because I, I mean... Uh, and same for you, of course, like we were full-time students while also doing this and yeah. we were also working other jobs too. Like that yeah. wasn't the only thing we were doing. We were working our asses off for pretty much no reason other than yeah. resume, which. Right. <laughs> yeah. Felt that. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That was like, that was the hardest part I think for me was accepting the fact that that wasn't something I was being paid for at the time, like that specific instance that we were talking about. 
Um, like that wasn't something I was getting paid for at the time. And I was working, God, I was working five jobs. Yeah. You were working just like be able to pay my rent and stuff and, um, dealing with like a ton of personal stuff too. So I think that that was like frustrating at the time, but yeah. as much as I would love to be like, it's fine. It's okay. Like it's not, and I don't it's want not. other people yeah. to have to like do that amount of work and pour that much money into, um, their work and not be able to get like financially compensated for it. So yeah. And especially with all the personal stuff, like that was very draining for you. I remember that. Yeah. That's why I gave you my house key. That's why I had the house key. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, I literally I, kept it. I had like a tiny little pocket on the inside of my coat and I kept it there. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm ever like leaving work or something, like I don't want to have to have to like go back home into right. <laughs> that environment and have to like grab the key and then leave. So I literally just kept it on me all the time. Like, even if I was in class and didn't have my car or something, like I just kept it on me. Cause it's like, I never know when I'm going to have to spend the night at Rachel's. <laughs> yeah, no. And like you, you did like at least once. And I was just, I was so glad to have you though. I was so yes. glad. I was like, this is my child. This is my twin. <laughs> like your little baby gopher. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, and actually, was it, didn't we meet through like Instagram or something? We did. I think that you followed my photography page and we started talking through there because I was like, oh my gosh, you go to Minnesota. Like that's where I'm going to school. Right. Right. And then, yeah. And then we first met for the first time when you were a freshman. I remember yeah. I gave you a pair of shoes. <laughs> yes. I was an actual baby gopher. <laughs> I was a real baby goat, but I have like, I've continued that because now my friend Riley is a baby goat and, um, she was a freshman last year. So she's a sophomore now, but it was like, it was my third year when it was her first. So it was like the same thing. Yeah. Um, I just, I mean, we were supposed to be farther apart than we actually were. I just ended up right. graduating too soon. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've we're continued. just that asshole that graduated early. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But I've continued our legacy. So we have, you have a grandchild. You have a, um, a grandbaby goat now because I have Aww. a baby goat. So, Aww. yes. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you reached out to me to talk about Minnesota with me because obviously yes. it got us to this point that we are now. Here we are like four years later. Exactly. No one I would rather have in my car when this woman jumped behind my car as I was backing out of a parking Oh my spot. gosh. I think about that all the time when I'm backing out of like, super like super small like parking spaces it stresses me out because I'm like oh my gosh remember that one time you were in the car with Rachel <laughs> it's like always in my head that was so bad so backstory there we were just minding our own business like we, we had really just were. gone to the supermarket we were ready to go home we had bought all our stuff and I was ready to leave and this woman just jumps out of nowhere she just comes out of freaking nowhere right behind my car standing right behind a car that is obviously in the process of backing up and then she's like screaming bloody murder I didn't even touch her <laughs> it didn't even come close just no it literally didn't because it hit the it hit the cart and then the cart hit her and then she got super dramatic and she like called 911 and she had like an ambulance show up and yeah yeah that was the whole thing yeah, that was bad. And like, I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get arrested. I'm gonna, <laughs> I was like, I'm yeah. going to charge for attempted murder. <laughs> and I was like, listen, listen, this woman jumped out of nowhere. <laughs> she did. She like walked around the back of the car as you were backing out. And I think that she was like pushing the cart to like take it back to the cart return or something. I don't know. It was weird. Cause it, know, the cart it was like was a buffer there. My bumper though. It yeah. Like that was just very to, like, odd. Push it into my car. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing was just very odd. That was a 
it was a strange strange yeah, really event crazy. I don't even know what to call that I that was remember, weird like that her like family was just like oh yeah she just does things like this she's <laughs> fine that <laughs> was me my mom saying they're like panicking I'm like oh, yeah I'm, I'm gonna get taken to jail they're gonna take me away yeah. <laughs> that was you on the inside though because on the outside you were like it's fine I didn't even do anything wrong <laughs> Kennedy and I were like oh my god we're so much trouble oh my god, I'm so glad I managed to keep my composure on the outside because I definitely didn't think I seemed that calm on the outside no, you were it was like kind of freaky I was like shouldn't she be more scared right now like shouldn't she be a little bit anxious you can just see like my dog's nose popping into the picture here <laughs> I can see the top of her head <laughs> she wants attention because clearly me working all day look at that look at that She's such an angel such an angel <laughs> but yeah another thing I wanted to talk to you about because it relates hit me with it getting unpaid and because this is something I've been wanting to talk about for a while now. Yes. But I haven't really thought of the good context for it. We're gonna get on Barstool because oh, they I am deserve so it. They I am deserve so it. So I'm, I haven't really mentioned this before. I mean, it's been like glazed over on the like a few episodes ago. Um, actually, when we had Curtis Gabriel on, uh, Naomi had like vaguely mentioned that I had some connection with Barstool, but she didn't really go into it. But so basically my connection with Barstool is I worked for them for two years and I still carry a tremendous amount of guilt for it. I mean, that is something that I kind of hate myself for. <laughs> like, cause I, it's a company that stands for everything that stands against what I stand for. I mean, yes. I am so disgusted by them on a regular basis. I don't even follow any of their accounts anymore, except for obviously Barstool Gophers, because I kind of have to. Um, yes. And granted, that was a kind of different affiliation with them. I mean, it was just kind of slapping their name on and us doing our own thing. But yeah. there were some really problematic things with that. I mean, we had to sign NDAs for that whole um, caller daddy thing or whatever. I was like, it's not like any of us are going to talk about it. We don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Barcel has just progressively been making me more and more angry. Um, it's like they're trying to be trash. Like, exactly. exactly. It doesn't just happen. Like you have to be making a conscious effort to be that awful, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's just like people worship them. And that's something that just bothers me so much. So because crazy. They like for real, like. And it's just such a problematic culture to it. I mean, Dave Portnoy is a piece of shit. He's a piece of yes. shit. He owes yep. me $200 and I will never see that money. Never. 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 No. Because you see, when you're working in their Viceroy program, you're allegedly supposed to get these monthly incentives, which is like the schools that I know, quote, unquote, monthly incentives, <laughs> um, allegedly being the operative word there. Um, yes. But so you know, every month they were just like, this is the school that's had the most growth in this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. So there's like a couple of different categories. And, you know, if your school is in a category, then you get $200. And Minnesota's page, I mean, when I first start, you know, this is kind of a flex, but <laughs> when, Go I for it. Started, when I first started, I mean, granted, we did start with a very large base with 50,000 people in the span of like, five months we got to 80,000 so we grew 30,000 people 
at obviously, you know, 30,000 in the span of five months is insane. So like we had won that, that like a couple of the months and never saw a dime of that money. Never saw a dime. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. They were like, oh, email us if you won. And I was like, hey, I won. And they're like, yeah, fuck you, Rachel. <laughs> like, we hate you. <laughs> Suck our dicks. We don't need you. I'm like, cool. You'll never see this money. No, never. Literally never. And like, yeah. And I just know that like you also are like not thrilled with Barstool. Yeah. Yeah. I was also curious. That's probably, but... Oh, go ahead. It's probably that's probably putting it lightly <laughs> yeah oh 100 I'm being totally nice yeah. here um yeah and me saying that Dave Portnoy is a piece of shit is also being nice yeah. Um, yeah but I was also curious what your opinion was in terms of the NWHL uh having those whole talks with Barstool yeah so um my first disclaimer I am not super educated on like everything that's gone on with the NWHL um, the things that I saw were mostly like people who I follow on Twitter, um, or like mutuals or friends. Um, so a lot of my feelings about that were mostly on like a personal level. Like I obviously was not okay with any of the, um, attacks on the people who, whether we're friends or not, like who I genuinely care about as people. Um, and everything that happened with Erica and the things that she did to, like a lot of the people who have been in the NWHL um, circle for so long, not okay with me at all. Like, like I said, I don't have a lot of background in the NWHL. I really didn't start watching it or paying much attention to it until this year. Um, that's a thousand percent on me. Um, but all of the disrespect and the intentional harassment, targeted harassment, um, everything that's gone on with them and the way that they've treated the people who have built that league from the ground up, a thousand percent not okay. Everything that happened was just sickening. I think that it spoke a lot to Barstool's values, right. um, which I think everybody has kind of known since day one. Um, and I think that if you watched like what happened in those, gosh, I don't even know that that went on for like two or three weeks. Yeah, it did um, go on for like a decent amount of time. Yeah. Um, and having to like watch people like have to put their accounts on private and just like have to deal with that over the course of like that harassment um that went on that was like really hard to watch just as like a friend and a, and a Twitter mutual mutual so I can't even imagine like how those the people who were actually the targets of that harassment like I can't even imagine how they felt um but I think that at this point if people can't see like what Barstool's intentions are and what their values and beliefs and all that are I think that you have to be like willingly looking past those things because they've made their stance very clear like you know where they stand yeah, um, I think so at this point, if you're supporting, completely. yeah, I think at this point, if you're supporting Barstool or any of their affiliates for like any reason, like, I think that it's like, I think the, the school ones, the ones that are like with universities, I think are a little bit different because I don't think that they're like directly working with them. Um, yeah, it's I don't like know the full story there. So like, you kind of are, but you kind of aren't like you do report okay. to headquarters and stuff like that. Like. I, one of the things that made me so furious about Barstool was, um, I don't know if you remember this, but senior Probably. year last year, um, I was part of their program and they had like a, like used me as an applicant for a job I didn't want. And then they had applied me for this job that I didn't want. And they wanted me to fly out to New York on my own dollar to interview 
for a job I didn't want. And I was also one of the few people who were very lucky to live in New York. Whereas yeah. like my coworker, my colleague who ran the account with me, he was from Wisconsin. So he had to fly out on his own dollar and pay for a hotel in New York City. That's and, what you get for being from Wisconsin though. Yeah, right. Well, he's originally <laughs> from like Boston. So we'll give him a pass on that. He's the goat. <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But like, the, like this is a multi-million dollar company. They yeah. can afford to pay their viceroys a hundred percent, especially because all these kids are in college. They're kids. That it's as simple as that. They're kids. They're in college. Yes. They're working their asses off while still doing all this work for the company. And they wanted them to pay for all of this themselves. And, you know, the events we did, we had to pay for the merchandise ourselves with the hopes of getting reimbursed, which didn't usually happen, which is crazy. It's insane because we had to give away stuff. Like we were- Especially when you consider how much money they make too. Exactly. Like when you, I forget what the exact number is, but it's like, when you do the math, if they weren't just ripping people off and if they were like actually paying for the content that they've gotten rich off of, it's something like $1,500 or something like per post. And I'm sure it's increased since that number was even like generated, but it's like a significant amount of money per post for like, they see something funny online and then they just post it themselves. Like if they actually had to pay to use that content, like legally they should, they would be actually helping creators and helping the people whose content they rip off, but they won't, no, they never will. Because why pay for something when you can just exploit people and be like, well, we put your name on bar stool, So like, you should be thanking us. Right. And that's kind and of also, like the- You weren't really allowed to like credit people. So like, if you like, so let's stupid. say like got a video or something like that, like a, like those stupid videos, of like the frat boys doing stupid frat things, you weren't allowed to tag mm -hmm. who it was from. Oh my gosh. I just yeah. don't understand that. Like why? That's a whole, that's a whole other conversation. I know. <laughs> I know. But speaking of slapping your name onto something for clout, I was also curious what you thought about the handful of NHL teams who, you know, bought NWHL teams, because this is a conversation I've been having with someone for the past like week. And I, and it does not seem to get through his head that they just slap their name on it for the sake of publicity. And I was wondering uh -huh. what you thought too. Again, I don't know enough about the NWHL to like really make an educated comment on it. Um, but there are definitely some teams who aren't affiliated or even in like the same um, geographical area in the same market as teams that like they're supporting. Like you'll see teams from outside of NWHL markets supporting those teams more than the NHL teams that are in their market. Right. Yeah. Shout out. The Colorado Avalanche but then like they do sketchy stuff too so I don't I don't know I'm constantly conflicted yeah I mean it's, it's just like, like someone does one good thing and then like they turn around and do something bad and it's like I can't like why are you doing this to is. me that's what capitalism yes, it's is so they frustrating like fully like and without guilt support something right yeah you know to me it just feels like a publicity thing you know like these players are still working two jobs they still yeah. don't have access to like healthcare. They still don't have access to all these things. They ship their basic human rights. And yeah. it's just like, you know, the NHL could be doing so much more for them, but they just slap their names on to make it seem like they're supporting them without really committing to supporting them. And that's something yeah. that really bothers me because, you know, like as a 
athlete, you know, as a woman athlete, like you're taught to not expect much, you know, yeah. your standards you are. are so low, like you're so low. You just take crumbs and, mm-hmm. you know, and you're supposed that, to say thank you for exactly, the bare minimum. Exactly. Yeah. Like you could get spit on and backhanded and you're supposed to say thank you for it because yeah. the NHL did it to you. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just all this nonsense and oh my god it makes me so angry because it's so performative it is all an act yes like it's just there's a lot of performative stuff like that in sports that is it's honestly just like exhausting and to be completely honest I think like I mean we've been friends for long enough you know where I stand on a lot of things and like my views and um I think you saw me when I was like not the best person not that I'm I wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't categorize myself as like Right. But I wouldn't categorize like freshman year me as like a bad person. I just like hadn't been exposed to a lot of things yet. Just naive. Um, yeah. And I think that I had like a much different viewpoint than I do now. Like I think that going into the pandemic and like I had a like just major life changes like summer of 2019 where I was like, you know what? I have realized so many things that are like so much more important than X, Y, and Z. And like these are the things I want to focus on. So I think that you saw me at like two different times where like you can compare better than a lot of people could, like where I was freshman year versus where I am now. And I think that it's super interesting, like how my viewpoints of sports have changed along with that because of my values. Like I have much different values now where I'm like, okay, this sports team did this thing and that's really great. But then the week after that, they did this thing and this really sucks. So I think that like, no matter what happens, like I always feel a guilt about like supporting certain teams or like supporting certain initiatives because it's like, on the surface, this might be really good, but then you dig a little bit deeper and you find out all the people or organizations that got screwed over to do this one good thing. And it doesn't, it doesn't add up. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think it's not fair to yourself to say that, you know, you weren't, you know, as good as a person, you were definitely just not as aware of, you know, injustices in sports, but you've definitely been a lot more critical of them. I think that like, especially when you're a freshman and you're going into college and like, you think that you know what you want to do, you kind of see everything in a, in a positive light and you're like, oh, I really want to work in sports. So like all these sports teams, I should aspire to be working for them. And like all their values must be good because they've made it this far. And like, surely nobody would support them if they were bad. Surely. And then <laughs> you actually get into the business and you're like, wow, a lot of people do a lot of sketchy things on like an individual level and an organizational level to make it like quote unquote make it and it's very very eye-opening when you get to like later stages and I think that's where I started to realize like no my values are more important to me than like my status within a company like making sure that I'm true to what I actually believe in and like supporting organizations that believe the same things that I do is way more important to me (laughs) than like where I stand in the eyes of like a certain organization or an employer like if you don't have the same values as me I don't want to work for you yeah. And I think that when I was a freshman, I didn't really care so much about that. It was like, you want to work for the logo instead of the person. Right. Yeah. And I was actually like an hour ago talking about that when he's going to kill me because I call him out on every single podcast. I was talking oh, about that with my dad. <laughs> um, oh, we love he it. That. He was like, why do you keep calling me out? I'm like, because we did sports together. Um, but like, it's your you fault. Know, like I've been, yeah, right. It's your fault. I'm in this position, father. Um, how dare you raise me to like sports? How dare you? No one called I'm for. A woman. How dare you? But, um, you know, like, as you probably know, I've been having a really hard time finding a job. You know, I graduated mm-hmm. college a while ago 
and I've yeah. had so many years of experience. I speak multiple languages and I still can't find a goddamn job. And yeah. so, you know, I was talking and Barstool had come up and my dad was just like, you know, like there are companies like that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, honestly, it would kill me to work for them. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. I mean, it was fine as a viceroy. It was kind of distant, but still connected. And it was definitely a clout thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But also like a whole resume builder thing, you know, like that's mm -hmm. something that stands out to people on resumes. They know the name Barstool and they're like, oh my God, you work for them. I'm like, yeah, great. But like, yeah, it honestly, honestly would kill me to work for them. I don't think I could do it. And, you know, as desperate as I am for a job, like, I just don't think I can lower myself to that. And yeah, it's hard. It's hard because when you're in an industry like sports, you know, there's not going to be an angel. There's not going to be a single team or a single company or a broadcast network that's perfect and meets all your values. Right. And it's hard to pick and choose which values mean most to you and, you know, what you want to align with and how that's going to reflect your personal career. And yeah. Yeah. And it was also something with the NWHL that you remind me of, like with the values, you know, people are like, yay, women's hockey, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then meanwhile, like the Toronto Six, their owner, she yeah. is a supporter of very anti-trans movements. And yeah. it's like, you know, you want to support these women, but you just can't. <laughs> you yeah. Can't do that. Like, it's just, and you know, like, it's like, it almost feels like they didn't think that people would find this out. And it's like not hard information to find. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that they probably assumed it would like fly under the radar or at least that it wouldn't gain as much um, attention as it did or like become as big of a problem as it did. Because I don't think that in their eyes, they saw anything was wrong. And from the sound of it, I don't think that they currently think that there's anything wrong with it, despite like what they've, gotten in terms of backlash from fans um I still don't think that they think that there's anything wrong with it um which obviously is like problematic because you are supposed to be part of like this really progressive league that is supposed to be inclusive and genuinely for everyone like the NHL uses the hockey is for everyone thing but like we all know it's not <laughs> it's not even a conversation um so I think that when so many people were looking to the NWHL to be like a home for them that they couldn't find with the NHL. I think that that just, it, it, it feels like a slap in the face. And like, obviously I can't speak for that community, but I can't even like imagine how that must feel, especially when you like are a Toronto Six fan and you are supporting this team and these people. And then to find out something like that is what your team is actually supporting. Like, I, I can't even imagine how that feels. That's awful. Yeah, and she like didn't even step down from her position. They just came out with like a statement that's like, oh, she doesn't associate with that anymore. But it's like, yeah. it clearly is still her ideals. That is clearly something yeah. that she stands with. And that's something that the league stands against. I mean, you have players mm -hmm. like Harrison Brown. Harrison Brown was a transgender athlete. Uh, before mm -hmm. he transitioned, he was on the Riveters. Um, yes. the Metropolitan Riveters in the NWHL and I can't even imagine if he was still in the league what that would be like I mean I'm yeah. sure that there are a lot of players in the league that identify somewhere on the very very broad gender spectrum and that yeah. felt like someone kicked them in the teeth and yeah 
it's just it's hard like it's hard you want to support these things but it's also like you know how do you walk that ground you know like and also it also goes back to like you know back to like Erica Nardini and Casey Smith I believe is her name they are the definition of pick me girls and for people who don't know what that means it's women who will tear down other women just to like look good to men and yes because they like being the token women Mm -hmm. hence Erica Nardini's freaking every single one of her social media handles is the token CEO like she's so weird I I, and I have no problem like she is so weird I don't get it (laughs) I don't get it I genuinely don't understand it I mean like don't understand she was like yeah I want to support women yay women and then when people in the NWHL were like "Mm, we don't really want your support she just straight up doxed them she just straight up exposed them completely because they said "Mm, you're probably not the best person to associate with right it's like there there are a lot of people who I think have this like um mask almost of like yeah women like I'm here for women and I think that we saw that a lot with Erica and then when it came to like actually having to support the women in a productive way it was like uh you know what I don't want to do it that way let's do it this way instead and everyone was like that's problematic and she's like I don't care I'm gonna do it anyway yeah she's like I'm Erica Nardini I work for Barstool <laughs> yeah um so obviously she's problematic on like so many levels but I think it also goes back to what you said before, like kind of going back to the Digit Murphy stuff, but um, you're never going to find like an organization that's perfect. And I think that right now, the closest that we're seeing from what I can tell is like a bunch of WNBA teams, of course, but I think that mostly in like men's leagues, I think the closest that we've gotten, maybe like the Seattle Kraken, at least in in the hockey world, um, I think is like probably the Seattle Kraken are probably the closest like and they start I can't think of another team (laughs) right I can't think of another team that has had as much like positive social impact as they have and they Um, haven't even exist yet (laughs) right they're not even like I mean they're a team but they haven't even played yet so yeah like I'm hoping that they continue they don't even have a team yet they don't even have right I mean granted they will in a few months like which their Instagram and Twitter bios are my favorite thing ever the thinking of I don't even know creative are, ways but... to steal your favorite players from your team oh gosh <laughs> I love that I know I, I love, love that. that I love that but like obviously you know in their position it's easy when you're starting from a clean slate but yeah. I wonder what in you know to you what do you think uh certain teams like for example you know when the whole George Floyd happened the Rangers were the last organization to say something and what they said was straight bullshit I was furious over it they didn't even acknowledge what was wrong and granted that's all James Dolan he's a piece of shit I hate him I wish he owned the team but he does (laughs) um yeah like how can you go from like saying things like that to like them being like yeah fucking the head of player safety needs to step the fuck down. <laughs> I think that that's like a very, I, I was surprised honestly about like that contrast, but also I think that it's very interesting because um, honestly, I don't even remember, it was on Panarin, right? Uh, so basically 
what happened and again because you know not a hockey podcast but, you know it's kind of a hockey <laughs> podcast but so basically what happened was this piece of shit tom wilson on the capitals he just straight up went for the two most defensive defensive I cannot speak English because I'm so angry about this. I was just talking about this with my dad too. And I was like screaming in the restaurant. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, oh, I'm so angry about it. So Tom Wilson, first of all, he is only 27 years old and has like 70 games worth of suspensions, which is more than like entire teams get in an entire decade, which is insane. You would think at that point they would cut him loose because like, that's just insane. Like that's problematic. Yeah, right. <laughs> the and definition of problematic. And like he even does, and he gets away with so much too. Mm-hmm. Like that's just the stuff that he's gotten in trouble for, which is insane. Yeah. But so recently, a game against the Rangers, the Rangers were on the power play, which obviously means that they're not going to have their like grind, like their fourth line out. They're going to have their more talented players who are not going to be fighters. So they have that line out. Tom Wilson being a piece of shit fucking Pavel Buchnevich was on the literally on the floor and like when someone's on the floor they are completely defenseless you leave them alone and he's punching him in the face while he's on the floor and Panarin Artemi Panarin not a fighter um but God (laughs) God bless that man for standing up against Vladimir Putin while still in Russia yes Yes, that that took balls because he had to fuck off back to Russia for a few weeks to make sure his family wasn't dead in a ditch in Siberia, which is insane to me that he did that. Like, what a man. But so he he is literally the opposite of a fighter. He is just a lover. He is a lover. He's just a happy (laughs) dude. Like, he's just a very happy guy. Um, And he jumps in and Tom Wilson pulls him by the hair onto the floor and gets a $5,000 fine, maybe, wipes his ass with that money. He literally picks up his dog's shit with that money. Like, (laughs) like that is not consequential to him whatsoever. That's the equivalent of, like, just talking shit behind his back. Like, not even saying it to his face. So, yeah. Um, But so, yeah, there's the context. I think that... So, go on. Yeah, I was pretty sure it was Panarin. Um... I don't, I don't follow the actual game as closely as I do anymore. Um, but, or as I used to anymore. Um, but I think it's very interesting that they came out with a statement, like saying that the head of player safety was unfit for the role. Um, basically like criticizing him being the head of player safety, saying that he wasn't capable of performing his job duties. Um, I thought that that was like very interesting, especially when you consider how they were just kind of like when um, Keandre Miller had the incident in the chat room and they were just kind of like, oh yeah, this is like an unfortunate incident that happened. So we're just, we're going to pretend it didn't. Right. (laughs) And context there for people, Keandre Miller is one of the very few players of color in the league. And at the time, um, you know, the Rangers were employing piece of shit, Tony D'Angelo and Brendan Lemieux, who are straight white supremacists, and they're not quiet about it. I mean, I saw Brendan Lemieux on a dating site, and he literally had build the wall, like, fuck the Mexicans in his bio. And I'm like, bro, 
what the fuck you're not even American (laughs) and and those kind of like I've I don't do dating apps so I'm not like super familiar with that but I would pray that those are catfish like people just trying to make them look bad oh he had the check mark so it was verified yeah the fact that he even verified himself on that and went and had I really do my best to give people benefit of the doubt like in every single situation I do my best but yikes yeah so basically what happened with that was god bless chris Kreider. i honestly didn't think i could love that man more than i already did and yet (laughs) yet i sit here today here you are (laughs) this man's so like keandre miller was just you know he was a rookie this year didn't want to make waves obviously you know he didn't want to lose his spot in the nhl you know especially as a player of color you know let alone being a rookie but a rookie who's a player of color is a double whammy. And, you know, like he's just super careful about it. He didn't want to lose his spot. And D'Angelo and Lemieux, but mostly D'Angelo, were just being pieces of shit. I mean, they were being racist, disgusting human beings. And D'Angelo, after a game, attacked the goalie of the Ranger, of his own, his own teammate. He attacked his own team. thing was so wild. I know it was insane. And the fact that they like hinted that it was Chris Kreider, but everyone knew it was Chris Kreider because you know, Chris <laughs> Kreider doesn't stand for shit. He's, was, that, was it ever confirmed? I thought that it, no, I thought it was, that it was that, the goalie. Like, everyone him. knows it was Chris Kreider because they, oh. like, they like implied it was him. And based on like the hints that they gave, he was the only one that met that description. I mean, they were just like gotcha. a senior big forward I'm like well Truba's out <laughs> um, and realistically Kreider was the only other person who would be in that situation <laughs> and oh gosh so Chris Kreider Chris the goat the best man on the planet Kreider just swoops in and punches D'Angelo in the face oh my gosh yeah I remember like that whole thing it was like a thing on Twitter for a few days where everyone was trying to figure out like who it was. And I didn't know if it was like ever confirmed or like if someone like got hold of the tape or something. Cause apparently it was on video somewhere. Um, I would pay good money to see. I would literally pay with my soul to see that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that someone somewhere said that like, there's, there's video, I think on like the, um, like MSG network or whoever it is there's probably like like, security camera video too yeah I think it was like a camera that they had set up and like thank goodness they just like hadn't cut to that camera um (laughs) but I remember that like being a whole thing for like a while but I just I think it's very telling of where a lot of these teams stand and I don't necessarily like think that it's the employees I think it's mostly ownership to come forward and I think that we saw it with like the Raiders too the tweet that they put out um after the trial a few weeks ago like these owners have way more control over the like yes I understand they own the team (laughs) like I get it that's their money but um I think that they have too much control over what values the team itself like shows like look if you're an owner and you want to be racist like do that on your own time (laughs) like don't spend your team's dollar to do that. Like, that's not what you're here for. Um, And then to like, to have teams posting where like, especially being in the field and like, we know the people who are running Twitter accounts who are on PR teams, who are on digital teams, who are like in executive positions, who have values similar to those like you and I have. And to have them have to work for people like that 
like makes me so upset because like you have to work for someone who doesn't share your values and you care so much about your job that you don't want to walk away from that obviously right but to have to watch your team put out statements that like weren't approved by you and it was just your owner being like "Ooh, I'm gonna go tweet this into the the void and let people just go crazy with it like I feel awful for the social media managers and the people who work for those teams. I mean, we, we saw it specifically. I mean, the most recent example was the Raiders where their owner came out and made that horrible graphic and tweeted it. And all of a sudden the social media managers and like the head of digital and all of their staff are having their like LinkedIn profiles posted publicly. Right. Like Like, you don't even, right. Like you don't even know that it was them and they can't even do damage control because if they try to come out and say like, this wasn't me, these are not my beliefs, then like the owner's going to start looking at them, you know, like it puts them in a very awful position. Um, now granted on the other side of things, I know that there are a lot of people who share similar values to these owners who work in sports, but I, I really feel for the people who are genuinely looking at things the way that they should be and want to create inclusive, welcoming, safe environments for fans and can't do it because of tweets like that, like just because of the ownership. So I don't know. I think that we saw that, especially with how they handled like the Tony D'Angelo stuff at the beginning, how they handled Keandre Miller stuff, um, that whole situation. And then the Tom Wilson and Artemi Panarin stuff too. Like, I think that, I think that we definitely see where, where the values are. Um, I think it's been clear for a long time, but I think that there are a lot of actions now that, um, it's making it much, much clearer to people who are maybe like, like me, who like to give people benefit of the doubt. And I think it's making it much more obvious where a lot of these teams stand. Right. Yeah. And, you know, specifically with the Rangers, you know, like it's not a secret that James Dolan is a shitty dude. Like, you know, I've only, and I honestly don't even like, I didn't get into a lot of like the ownership stuff and all that when, um, when Ronta was playing there, but I've only ever heard bad things, not from right. Him. He never said <laughs> exactly. that man would never speak poorly of anybody, but, um, from, like, he's, like and stuff, he's the sweetest <laughs> person on the planet. I know. I know. So I'm like, wait, let me just clarify that. He would never say a bad word about anybody. Um, but from like fans and stuff that I would interact with, I mean, I got to be really, you're one of them. I got right. to be really good friends with a lot of Rangers fans. Like one of my very best friends, Nick is out there now. And like, he and I bonded so much, so much over the Rangers. And like, we had so many conversations about ownership and the way that things are run. And it's heartbreaking to know that like, there are so many people who just want to feel welcomed in a sport that they love and they can't because of the values of ownership and the people that ownership continues to allow to be a part of their organization. Like it just, it sucks. Yeah. And I also like, it makes it really hard. It makes it really hard to be a fan. I mean, especially with all that D'Angelo stuff going on, it just like broke my heart. I mean, I grew up loving this team, you know, like I've, you know, been a diehard Rangers fan my whole life. I was in a Rangers commercial when I was 16, um, which was hilarious, (laughs) Um, especially because they like, I had just gotten off the ice after practice and like, I was just gross and so they showed me for like half a second and just had me do oh a whole voiceover because I looked so disgusting oh um, no yeah it was really bad and I'll probably end up posting the, the video just because like it's really funny that I was in a Rangers commercial when I was 16 coming off the ice after I need practice. that video 
Yeah, I can't believe you've never seen it. <laughs> um, I can't believe I haven't either. Yeah, no, I feel like this is holding out on me. Funniest things to me, like, but you know, like when all this stuff with like D'Angelo was happening, and you know, especially after you know the murder of George Floyd, and the Rangers came out with that really, really shitty blanket statement that didn't even acknowledge what was wrong. I was like, okay, how do you say that while still employing white supremacists like Tony D'Angelo and Brendan mm-hmm. Lemieux? And it's like, you know, that's a problem that a lot of teams have, you know, they want to yeah. make these statements, but it's so disingenuous and it's just so performative and so fake. And it's, again, a lot of it is placed on these people who have nothing to do with it, you know, like, and granted some of the times they do have things to do, like, you know, most recently speaking with the Tom Wilson incident, um, people were really pissed off with the cap social media manager because they posted a really gross like meme about it and it was just not okay. And that was- Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. And like, that was definitely like not one of the owners doing it. That was the social media manager because like it was like Ugh. live with the game and stuff. It wasn't like a statement or anything like that. They- yeah, it wasn't something that came out later. Yeah, no, it was like- Gotcha. With I it. totally missed that. Yeah, yeah I totally really missed bad. that. It was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something that was pretty offensive to like literally everyone but Caps fans. Like, yeah. I also, <laughs> wait, there was this one, t- I need to find this tweet because this cracked me up. I was wheezing when I Oh gosh. Um, whistle blows, a scrum ensues. Tom Wilson pulls out a pistol and starts shooting guys on the other team. They're all dead. No. He reloads. He then shoots everyone on his team. Everyone dies. Blood everywhere. Caps fan in the crowd. That's hockey, baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that was a roller coaster. <laughs> but like, honestly, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I just found the um the post from the NHL that said that they <laughs> this was so funny because Brandon Prust's interaction with this post was hysterical. And granted, Brandon Prust is problematic in and of itself, but this comment was so just, many things I didn't know. Yeah, he, I mean, he he's like He's been called out for like homophobic behavior and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's kind of similar to like the things that Brendan Gallagher was po- called out for, like using the F slur and stuff like that. But so the NHL, <laughs> this was so funny. The NHL fined the Rangers $250,000 for their comments regarding the head of player safety. And, yeah. You know, they were like, you know, public comments of the nature issued by the Rangers that we're personal in nature and demeaning of the league executive will not be tolerated, said Bettman. While we don't expect our clubs to agree with every decision rendered by the Department of Player Safety to the extent to which the Rangers expressed their disagreement was unacceptable, it is terribly unfair to question George Paros's professionalism and dedication of his role and the Department Luck. of Player Safety, which first <laughs> of all, it was totally fair to do that. He took if- out Panarin for the rest of the season he literally injured a dude. That is the definition of a cheap shot. Um, but Brandon Pruss, this was so good. Brandon Pruss slides in and he goes, they spend that money on a team dinner for Christmas. <laughs> it's like, yeah, probably right. <laughs> He's probably right. Um, 
no, I think that that, um, I'll be completely honest, that statement from the NHL really rubbed me the wrong way because if you are not allowed to question authority, then what kind of work environment are you building? Right. Like if, if the person who is supposed to be in charge of keeping your employees safe, <laughs> if everybody feels that that person is not fit for their job, that they are not capable of keeping people safe, they should be allowed to question that. Especially Absolutely. in a situation like that, where one of their players was taken out for the rest of the season because right. he got injured I, in that scrum. Yeah, but it's definitely been like an ongoing problem. Like people have been questioning the um, player safety for a long time. Like it's not new. Um, this has been going on for a long time. So I think that, I think at this point, if you have a team that's speaking out so publicly about a problem like this, it's probably time to evaluate, like, especially blind support as influential and recognizable yes. as the Rangers. I mean, they're an yeah. original six team. People know they hear the name New York Rangers. They see the logo in their head. Yes. You know, you know who the New York Rangers yeah, are. Like, yeah, you don't even have to like hockey to know who the New York Rangers are. Exactly. Um, but I think that there's like, just generally speaking too, not even just specifically on this, but there's been like a, a very um, noticeable problem with just blind support, right. like seeing something that you think that you might possibly be okay with and just going after it. Like, I don't know. I <laughs> very like increasingly frustrated right? because it just seems to be like a growing problem. Yeah. Gary Bettman just loves, loves to piss people off. And yes, that's why everyone hates him. That's why every single year at the NHL draft, he gets booed. Every, and he gets booed anytime there's a crowd and he shows up. I know, up. anytime he shows up in front of a crowd, you just hear boo, yeah. boo. And I don't know if maybe that's him kind of like making a statement on his own behalf. Like, don't criticize people who are in power. And yeah. him seeing himself as a commissioner as being in power and thinking like people can't question him and the decisions that he makes. Like, maybe that was kind of like a personalized statement that he made through this particular outlet and this particular instance to kind of like, defend his own name right like he was just like hey how dare you I'm the head honcho here fuck you how dare you criticize me I'm perfect I've never done anything wrong ever in my life I think it's just very interesting that he came forward and was like you shouldn't be criticizing this person and like he is also like (laughs) the head of the NHL and people criticize him all the time so again I don't know if it was like an indirect thing where like he kind of saw himself in that situation um I don't know. I don't know. I definitely don't think that you should be blindly supporting someone just because they're in like a position of authority. Like if you don't think that they are fit for their job or fit for like whatever it is that they're doing, you need to call that out. Yeah. We can't continue with like blind support and just allowing people to do whatever just because they somehow made it to a position of power. Yeah. This is going to be like such a weird connection here, but you know, it kind of reminds me of my bat mitzvah Torah portion. (laughs) What? Oh, oh, hold okay, on. Okay, I always think I'm prepared for whatever you're going <laughs> to no, say. Like, no, no, how dare you ever think that you can be prepared for anything that's going to come <laughs> out of my mouth. But so my Bob Mitzvah Torah portion was a wild ride from start to finish. And I just remember oh like gosh. at the end of your like ceremony, you're supposed to like give a speech about what you learned from your portion. I'm like, what the hell was I supposed to learn from that? But so <laughs> basically my Torah portion 
It was about this guy named Cora. And he was like, Moses, you ain't shit. Why do you think you're better than the rest of us? Like, why do you think you're so holy? Like, he's like, what? Interpretation is fantastic. (laughs) Right, right off the bat. um, So pretty much he was just like, why do you think you're better than us? Like, what makes you so much more holy than the rest of us? And Moses snitched and God got pissed because he's a petty bitch. And like, which I'm totally going to hell. (laughs) Girl, we all are. We all are. And so, um... Yeah, because God is a fickle bitch, apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everyone's going to hell. But so everyone's going you know, to hell. God got pissed that Cora was like, bitch, why do you think you're better than us? Like, and so all of Cora's followers either got killed by fire or swallowed by the earth. And I was like, so the lesson I learned here is don't speak up against authority. Don't speak up when you think something's not right. Okay. Seems like a valuable lesson. Right? Yeah, valuable lesson to teach a 12 Yikes. <laughs> yeah. No, always question authority, always question people's motives. Like that's literally how we are supposed to grow as a society. But I think that we've gotten to a point where like people are just so used to like, this is the way that things are. Don't question it. Like this is the way that things are supposed to be right. because it's always been this way. Or like this person's the one who's in charge. So, like they should be calling the shots. And that is so bizarre to me like no question people's motives question why they're in that position like I guarantee you that they probably screwed someone over to get there like 100% that's how the world works 100% (laughs) yes yes absolutely um I mean I've even noticed like the majority of we know like the majority of hires we saw it in statistics the majority of sorry majority of layoffs that happened during COVID were women right and I know that I'm just kind of like in the sports bubble, but seeing all these people who are getting jobs now, it's like all men. Yeah. And I have questions. Right. And I remember you said something um, a couple of months ago about that. Um, I remember you saying something about like, you know, all these white men in these sports industries are bouncing around in these different roles. Yeah. Instead of giving these roles to people of color to women you know and taking Mm -hmm. these jobs away from new people or people trying to get into the industry yeah I think that the biggest problem that I have with it is that they're so um it's so easy for them to jump so we're watching people particularly white men um just like jump from role to role job to job city to city however they please like you can be in a role for two months and all of a sudden you're like ah you know what I don't like the city like I'm gonna move somewhere else and like, yes, do whatever's best for you and your mental health and, you know, all that. That's, that's great. Do whatever's going to make you happy. But it's very frustrating to see that it's only white men who have that privilege to be able to jump around and get new jobs just because like, they're not happy in the city that they're in. Right. Like, I think that's very frustrating that we're not seeing any women or any people of color giving those roles and being able to make those same like lifestyle adjustments where white men can get a job and then like a few months later they're like "Ah, I don't like it here I think I'm gonna go somewhere else right again do whatever's gonna make you happy but from a woman's perspective it's very frustrating um and and that's coming from a white woman so I can't even imagine what it's like for women of color like I just that's it's infuriating from my perspective so and yeah I mean I know for sure like I'm coming from a very like a standpoint that is very much weighted by my own personal experience because again I'm having a very hard time finding a job you know yeah. like, and just watching all these men just bounce around job to job I'm like I could be doing that job 
way better than they are, but because yeah. of their name, because of their position, because of their status in society, they're able to do these things. And yeah. So it's also like, yeah, I think it's also, and these are just like observations that I made and by, by no means is it like me throwing shade, but just like things that I've noticed that you'll see a lot of men who are on Twitter and they're like, yeah, women's rights and all that. And that's great. Like, I see that the tweets are there that you're saying that you support women, but how? Yeah, like what <laughs> like, are you doing in your life that's actually getting right, them instead of just- Right, like when you left that job two months ago, did you give them a recommendation that was a woman or did you refer one of your white male friends? Right. Like where, where, where are you making these changes where you're actually creating meaningful change for women in the industry? Like, are you actually recommending us for jobs? Are you actually promoting our work? Are you actually like putting in your own time and resources into like donating to different foundations, charities, things like that, that are going to help women? Or are you just putting out a tweet? Right. And that's why I'm so incredibly grateful for people like Curtis Gabriel and Brock McGillis, because Mm -hmm. it's not performative with them. They are full fledged for it. You know, they are full steam ahead. They are putting their all into making sustainable change and you know as only two people you can only do so much and granted like you know them as their own individual entities have made great change it's incredible to watch them work you know um I've always been a fan of Curtis's he's always been a super sweet guy you know I've always really liked him as a person and just watching him grow over the past few years has been absolutely incredible for me because, you know, I saw him starting in Minnesota as just like a young 23 year old dude, you know, yeah, just this white man who, as he said, was tall and fought his way there, which I think is the funniest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> but like watching him go from that to scoring a goal with pride tape and having this conversation with Brock McGillis. Yes um to him you know actually proving that this is not a performance he's putting on you know he's not saying these things he's actually trying to make this change and that's like a very important line to draw because you know there's a difference between you and we talked about this with Brock last week you know with all those Black Lives Matters things people were posting a black square it's like okay great you posted your black square but what are you doing to actually help them you know right your your social media followers are like great you know you support black lives well what else are you doing now what yeah. right like it's like you're making the statement without actually having to commit to the cause yeah it's very easy for people to be like performative on social media like you can just make your post you can say do you support whatever but like at the end of the day what are your actions saying like what are you actually doing and i mean <laughs> I'm not, I'm absolutely not getting into it, but you know, the struggle that I've dealt with, with that and how much it angers me, how easy it is to put something out on social media and say like, yes, I support this. When you don't, when your actions are saying the exact opposite or your actions are saying nothing at all. Like you're not actually doing anything to support the cause that you're claiming that you are. And like, while that support on social media is fine and dandy, you're not doing anything to actually support the cause. It's you're not- It absolutely is. It absolutely is. So there was actually an instance where, um, so for context, I knew Curtis Gabriel from the AHL. Um, I like have never spoken to him. I 
sweetest have no actual connection. He's the <laughs> but sweetest person on this planet. He's such I've a heard, good person. I've heard he's super nice. Um, but I was working, like I said, for the Chicago Wolves at the time. I was like, I was still in high school. I was a kid. But I remember seeing him play for um, the Iowa Wilds. And I don't That's know why it's like coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it's coming into my head. I could completely be thinking of somebody else. But if I remember right, there was a fight that he got into in the tunnel. You'll, I don't know. You'll have to ask him about it. Cause I, I want to say that it was him. I'll it have to sounds like Curtis to me. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was him, but now I have to go back and look it up. Um, but I remember like he sent out a tweet and I was like, I agree with everything except for this one part. And I quote tweeted it and I like kind of called him out for it. And he liked the tweet. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh my God, this is so awkward. <laughs> like I just called him out on this tweet. And then like, not only did he read it, cause like that's kind of the hope is that people are going to like read it and see it. It was him. It was him. <laughs> it was him. Okay. Um, it was him. Yeah, it was Vince Dunn. <laughs> yes. Vince Dunn. Yes. I thought so. Um, who that just makes, honestly, it just makes it even better because now Vince Dunn said that thing like a year ago and it just makes it a little bit better. So thank you, Curtis. Um, right. We love one <laughs> man. The exception to the phrase men ain't shit. <laughs> yes. Um, but now like I, I called him out on that tweet and I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, how awkward. Like he liked the tweet. Like, was that just kind of like spiteful? Was it like an acknowledgement? Like, I don't know, but regardless, like whether he had liked it or not or acknowledged it or whatever, I was hoping that he would at least see it right? to understand like why his tweet was very well-intentioned. Like he had a thousand percent, like, um, he had, he had really good intentions. He wanted to have a positive change with that, with that tweet and like a positive impact. Um, I think that there was just one part that kind of rubbed some people the wrong way, including myself. So when I made that tweet, I was like, kind of wanting him to see it so that he would understand where everybody was coming from. Um, I think that obviously like my tweet was not the deciding factor. Obviously there were many other people who kind of voiced the same thing, but I think that it was like, the acknowledgement was nice because it was like, he sees and was saying like, yes, I understand why this was wrong. And I'm pretty sure he like apologized for it. Not that it was like super, it wasn't like problematic. But it was like, hey, this could have been worded. This could have been worded a little yeah, bit better. Like you could have said this, issue. right? Um, so I think that just his like acknowledgement of the situation and not trying to come in and be like, hey, I'm sorry, I had good intentions with this, but I think that that was huge for him to not try to defend what he said, but just acknowledge what people were saying and like take that and not come out right away and be like, I've learned because I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that someone can call you out for something and you'd be like, I learned my lesson. Like, no, you have to, you have to figure out why what you did was wrong. You have to figure that out within yourself. Um, and I think that he takes a lot of that stuff to heart. Like he really takes the time to figure out like what he wants to say, to say it in the way that he needs to, especially with that platform. Like he just does a really, really good job of being kind of like the positive light that everybody needs. And even when he makes mistakes, which like, it's going to happen. Like everyone's going to screw up at some point. And fortunately and unfortunately, that's part of learning. Right. But I think that it's really like, it's great that he's using his platform to try to create positive change in hockey because we know how bad it is. Like we need somebody like that. And I think even like, I made a tweet about the other day, Robin Leonard, I, I, 
I like what he's doing for mental health, but I got problems with a lot of the ways that he goes about it. Right. And with Curtis, he's very genuine about the things that he talks about and the way that he approaches them. And there are other guys in the league who are trying, I think, to use their platforms in a similar way, but are much less um, open to listening to what people have to say about the way that they express what it is that they're trying to say. And I think Curtis just does a really good job in general. Yeah. That was a whole tangent. But... No, no, I totally agree with that. Because, you know, that's part of what makes me like love Curtis as a person. You know, like he's in a place where he has a lot more power than most people does. He's a mm-hmm. cis straight white man and he makes a good living playing hockey, obviously, you know, and he has this big platform and it's easy for him and someone in his demographic to not make the comments that he makes or not just ignore it. Yeah. And not understand his place in the world and how it impacts, you know, the people surrounding him. And, you know, yeah, he, again, is extremely genuine and, you know, Again, that's one of my favorite things about him because he's constantly trying to evolve and learn. And it's not just like one of those people who's like, oh, I did something wrong, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh my God, you're right. I could have done this better. This is what was wrong. This is how I'm going to fix it. This is how I'm going to listen to you going forward. And, you know, he genuinely tries to represent other people. And that's something that's so rare, especially in hockey. Because yeah. we need more people like Curtis. I mean, it's that simple. We do. He's such yeah. a great, genuine person. I love what he's doing for the game. And granted, again, he's only one person. There's only so much he can do. But he's doing he's doing it right. He's doing yeah. the right things. And it's not performative. And, you know, that's something that uh, Brock McGillis said when he first talked to him after he scored that goal with the pride tape on he was like this guy's full of shit you know like he's like this guy's the most performative person on the planet but then over the course of a year he watched him and he watched the way he interacts with media and the way he represents himself and the people that he is not represented representative of and he was just like oh my god I was totally wrong you know like this guy absolutely means it and you know that also goes with like back to you know, certain teams and companies and stuff like that, because there's a really, and I'm stealing this directly from Brock, but um, there's a really big difference between corporate culture and sports culture. You know, like you can say one thing in your meeting room, whatever, whatever is called. I forgot the word. (laughs) You can say whatever you want in your corporation business, hoity-toity, you know, suits and ties, environment but if you're not making this change and this isn't going all the way down to the ranks of like you know kids just learning hockey or you know the players themselves it's not going to make a difference you know like it needs to reach all layers of this chain of you know the capitalistic industry you know Mm -hmm. and like a lot of it is like you know commodifying these issues and you know like the NHL especially with like pride and stuff like that it's just sheer taking advantage of something that should not be taken advantage of without yeah it's definitely pandering oh 100 percent it's like yeah and also you know like it's like that whole joke with like people talking about the Washington football team which I think is hilarious is their current name I love it I want (laughs) I love it it. I really hope they don't change it (laughs) I also want like the Chicago hockey team 
Right. I need it. Right. I but want that's it. where I was going with it because, like, you know, like there's like that whole meme of like Garfield, like seeing the sign with like like a picture of himself with a cross through it, and he's like, "Hmm, I wonder who that's for." And it's like <laughs> referring to like the Washington football team, and it's like the Blackhawks, the Chiefs, you know, all those the Indians, and they're like, "Yeah, hmm, I wonder who that's for." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well. Chicago's already said like we're not changing our name we do you know this stuff oh my dog's about to bark oh no um <laughs> um I think that it's super if she barks I'm so sorry oh no no, oh, no. <laughs> there it is the boof <laughs> that was literally a straight boof <laughs> she's so oh. big It's really not as bad as you think it is. It sounds awful. It's so loud to me. Stop. Stop it. She's just boof. I can like, I can't even see her, but I can just picture her cheeks going boof. That's my favorite part. Cause she like, I had this little bark collar for her. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just use it to beep like I, it doesn't buzz her it doesn't like shock her or anything like it literally just makes a beeping noise but it freaks her out because it's like on her so she can't right. figure out where it's where coming from, from? <laughs> right and so then she like walks around my apartment and she like whenever I beep it she acts like I've just beaten her like what are you doing <laughs> I can hear her crying <laughs> this is what she does and then when she, if she's feeling really sassy, she'll run into my bedroom. I have like a big window in my bedroom. She'll run in there and she'll like jump up on my bed and she'll bark out that window. Cause she knows like I'm sitting in here. So she's like, mom can't possibly get to me in this room. She can't she's possibly so hear me. <laughs> no, she couldn't possibly. Oh my gosh. She's, I love her so much, but sometimes she's so stubborn. Um, what was I even talking about? <laughs> oh, Chicago not changing their team name. Oh, that's right. You can just cut that whole, that whole like five oh, minutes totally of what just happened. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Um, anyway, Chicago came out and they said like that they're keeping their name, like they're not changing anything, um, which it, I'm really disappointed. Like, right. I've been a Chicago fan for a long time. I'm now realizing that I said their team name earlier and I'm kind of um, angry at myself for that, but they've already come out and said like, we're not changing it this is what we do for like the native communities in the city and the state. Um, and if you're at an actual game, <laughs> you don't see that stuff. Right. So if they're doing it, they're doing it very behind the scenes. They make like a couple of like event nights, which really just turns into like cultural appropriation for all of like the white fans. And like, I, that's not, it, it's not okay. Um, this doesn't like just saying that you're having like, they call them like native nights or something. It's yeah, it's, it's very, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> like problematic, but I don't even know what else to say. Like, it's just not good. It's not good because it just turns into like white people wearing like native headdresses That's or like exactly what they what think are say. like traditional. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if y'all think that you're like being like a better fan by doing this, but it makes you weird and it makes you racist. Yeah. Like this needs to stop. You should absolutely not be allowed to wear this into a game. 
or like people were wearing oh. them to um the uh like the cup parades and stuff god knows we've had enough in chicago um <laughs> subtle flex <laughs> what's it like to be a rangers fan listen um, <laughs> <laughs> not in my lifetime <laughs> um i was i was cheering for y'all in what year was it 2014 Listen, we're going to um, talk about that year, especially because Toronto came out and said, mm, yeah, you know, three goals during the season shouldn't have been goals. And two of them were game deciding goals in the Stanley Cup final by the LA Kings. So really the Rangers probably should have won the cup. I'm like, Great. no, no, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If LA got into the final, they were winning. If Chicago had gotten into the final, they were winning. Whoever it was from the West, they were beating the East. It okay. did not matter. In all fairness, though. Three out of five games in that series went into overtime. <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's how fair. close it was. But it went into Y'all should have been playing Chicago anyway, though, because Chicago should have won that series against LA. Oh, 100%. Absolutely should have won. 100%. LA should And there were multiple, yeah, there were multiple times throughout that series where it should have been Chicago's series. That was just a problematic sure. year. for the <laughs> That was a bad year. That was a really um, bad year. <laughs> Anytime the LA Kings made it to the final, it was a bad year for the Of league. course. Yeah, no, seriously, for real. Um, <laughs> I say as someone who, like, whose best friend is an LA Kings fan. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Um, I not only sorry. bag on the Kings because he's a fan, and I think it's just fun. Um, I, I actually have no beef with the Kings. Like, I actually really oh, loved Jonathan Quick growing up. Dowdy. Oh, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, domestic abuser, Drew Doughty. <laughs> Yeah, um, not not a fan. There's there is so much, um, there's so many apologists in hockey from a fan perspective, from an athlete perspective, yep. um, from an ownership and like team management perspective. It's it's it, it's been out of hand, but it's getting so much worse. It feels like yeah, like they're just letting stuff happen. Yeah, I will never forget who was it. I'll never forget the incident, but I can't remember who the actual athlete was. Was it um, Galchenyuk? Oh, when he was domestically abused? Yes. Yeah. And they made him apologize. apologize. Yeah. Yeah, I will never forget that. That I will never forget that either. I I literally cried when that came out. Yeah. I remember the incident, but I couldn't remember. I think that it was when um, Gallagher was still on the team too. So I always just got the two confused. Yeah. It was in like... um... I want to say 2016 or something like that. Um, yeah, so Alexander Galchenyuk, uh, he his girlfriend literally beat him up. Um, and the Montreal Canadiens made him apologize. They yeah. made him apologize for being, like a disruption for, quote, to being the team a distraction to the team. And, yeah. you know, the worst part of that, which really upset me so much, was he had visible bruises. Like yeah. you can see exactly where it happened. And that was just so heartbreaking and it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. It seems like every time something comes up, everyone can be like, hey, remember when this happened and you didn't deal with it appropriately? Look, you have a chance to redeem yourself. And the team's ownership or whoever's like, I suddenly no, can't good. <laughs> yeah. I have amnesia. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Never <laughs> domestic abuse. Never heard of her. Oh, no. um, it, it's, it's getting worse. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just getting worse. Um, and I think that a lot of it gets like swept under the rug. Like I think that there's probably a lot of incidents that we haven't even heard about 
Like, right. and that's another thing too. Once you start working in sports, you realize how many things teams will be like, Hey, don't tell anyone about this. And you realize how messed up it is like just top to bottom. Um, honestly, like I, I question a lot of the time, like, why do I even still want to work in sports? Like right. <laughs> this is kind of like, an, it's, it's a really brutal industry to be in Especially just because like, right. Because you have to like keep all these secrets. Like there are some teams that I've worked for. And like, my disclaimer is that it's never Minnesota. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was never Minnesota. Minnesota, Minnesota has never done anything wrong. Um, just kidding. The only been... team that supports an NWHL team that I actually believe supports them. <laughs> yes. Um, and Aaron does a really great job on their, uh, on the wild social media of interacting with the white caps. And, um, yeah. I think it's easy when you have someone like just as friendly and, um, I, wh- what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out. Like personal. I don't know. Yes. Personable. Sure. We'll go with that. Yeah, works. Um, <laughs> that was close. It was another P word, but I don't, I don't know what I was looking for again, COVID brain. Um, you're going to like, but I think that it's easy. A week and you're going to be like, this is the word. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Um, but I think it's, it makes it so much easier when you can have like Sam on one end and Aaron on the other end. And like, they can just chat back and forth from team accounts and it builds a relationship between fans. Yeah. Like it's so easy to do the bare minimum. It costs you nothing to interact with the NWHL team that's in your market on social media and some teams still won't do it. Yeah. Like you that know, is that's, so easy. That's something that fans eat up too. I mean, yes, like, they love that. love when they interact with other teams. Like there was that whole thing. I don't remember what two teams it was, but they were playing like connect four on Twitter. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that was hysterical. People love that. It's so easy to do too. Yeah. And, you know, it builds these lasting connections and it makes an impact and, you know, people see it and they recognize it and they feel it. And it makes them feel included and it makes it feel genuine. And yeah. God bless Minnesota for that, honestly. You know? Yeah. Aaron and Sam do a great job. And I think that like, <laughs> this is a whole other road, but I think that like, it's so easy for people on like sports Twitter to be like, oh, interact with fans. It's the easiest thing you can do. And they all want to talk about it, but then they never want to actually do it. Like, I think that right. sports, social media and, um, like marketing Twitter are very good at giving advice and never actually taking it. Like they all want to have their own personal, like personal input on everything, but they never want to actually like reflect those things on their like own accounts. And it's like some people in particular that I just noticed do it like, and again, not shade, but it's just like people I see doing it over and over and over again, where like they want to throw these ideas out there, but then they aren't taking their own advice. Right. It's like a 14 year old girl telling her best friend what to do with her crush. Like I'm dishing this advice to you but I won't take my own advice. Like, right. why would I do this People to make my like, life better? Go to their single friend for relationship advice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you coming to me for this advice? I don't take my own advice. Why do you think I'm still here? <laughs> yeah. And granted, that is something I'm very guilty of. Yes. Yes. But I think that like, it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, just interact. But you can see what that's done for the two Minnesota teams. Like just getting, yeah. people love when brand accounts interact and people love when, brand accounts interact with them yeah like people love seeing like different brand accounts like if Wendy's and Burger King are like going at it on Twitter and like a fight people love that but like Aaron and Sam have just done such a good job 
of connecting the two teams, connecting the market, getting hockey fans involved with other hockey fans. Like that's such an easy bridge to create on social media. And they've done such a good job of that. Like such a good job. And it's so easy. It's so easy. Yeah. And granted, I mean, definitely being in Minnesota helps for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Just because yeah. it is the state of hockey and, you know, it is Minnesota nice, but you of know, course. it works around the globe. It literally works every so single time, every yeah. single time it works. I mean, I go on like certain teams, like Instagrams or Twitters and like, I see in the comments, like, oh, they won't respond to me. And like, mm-hmm. they're like freaking out when they actually do. I mean, yeah. Like, I remember being, like, 14 years old, and, you know, on my birthday, I tweet, like, Jason Demers or Matt Duchesne, and I'm like, it's my birthday, can you say happy birthday to me? And I would get so happy when they would, and, you know, it's the same thing for brands, you know? Like, it's not hard to interact with your audience. It takes three seconds, and granted, it is kind of hard to curate all the comments and stuff like that, because you do get so much, and that is something I've seen with Barstool. I mean, we get hundreds of thousands of dms every single day and it is yeah. it gets overwhelming for sure but you know just like picking out one comment in your comment section and responding yeah. to them it makes all the difference yeah and people have like i mean if you've if you've done your job well people will have created like their own voice behind the brand like if you you've created a brand voice sure but they've created their own right like And that's one thing I don't think that some people realize is like in your head, you have an idea of what the person running the account is actually like because of the brand voice that they've created that you can then create one for them, if that makes sense. Like, so when you see a brand interacting, you already have an idea of what that person running the account is like in your head. So you're like, oh, they're doing this, which just adds to the personality that you've already created. Right. It just makes people like feel more connected to your and team. It's, it's how you grow the sport too. Yeah. It's and so easy to get like someone, um, shoot, what's his name? The guy from St. Louis. Remember how he made that tweet and then the blues were like, Hey, come to a game or whatever. And they like, oh, gave him free tickets. oh yeah. The guy who was like, I what's just started name? watching hockey. Oh my God. Wait, hold on. I followed yes. him on Twitter. It was in like 2016 or something. Oh my gosh. What's his he name? He was like, Oh, hockey's lit. I'm into it. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. And he got like super excited. And then the blues like gave him this whole like experience. I think he got like glass seats. Like it was crazy. Yeah. They like brought him in and stuff like that. Like, Oh, yeah. hold on. I need to find this dude because I follow him and I was just like, this dude's the best. Like, <laughs> like he I hate when so I like, happy. I have it in my head and I'm just blanking on what his name is. Like he made me so happy. I was like, this is exactly what I want for hockey. You know, because he hockey- was like the, like, he was the poster boy of those, like, um, um, the playoffs, like just that whole, yeah. not even just the series, but like the playoffs in general, like he was the image that everybody had of those that particular series and then like for as long as the blues were in it like that was who everyone was cheering for like yeah your team was out you were cheering for that guy it wasn't even for the team it was just for him it was literally just for him because everybody wanted to see him happy yeah because like everyone was like hell yeah you know like people should like hockey for this reason you know yeah like and now he's like his own little he's He's like his 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 own little like yeah, he's his own brand, but he's also like a, a the St. Louis Blues like personal influencer. Like that's what he does. <laughs> that's so good. I love that. <laughs> like he's 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 an ambassador for hockey now. Like that's literally what he does. 
Yeah, he got he into, gets people like, into it. Date. And, you know, like, he's exactly what the NHL wants to do without actually committing to doing it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Tony. Tony what the NHL wants. Tony, Tony yes. Solo U City is his, his at on Twitter. I kept, I kept wanting to say, um, like, Tom or something, but I was like, yeah, no, that's Tony not right. Tony. Oh, my gosh. What a legend. Yeah. Girl, like, everybody girl. wanted him to be happy for like the duration of those playoffs like that was who everyone was cheering for I was like I don't even like the blues but I love this man <laughs> yes I like this guy like as a Chicago fan you you are raised from the minute you are born to hate St. Louis to hate everything St. Louis and that guy was like you know what I can't I can't not you be can't happy for him <laughs> yeah so it's amazing what like just the the small interactions can turn into like he's He's got a huge following now, I think. Like, he's yeah. got to have a couple 10,000 followers, right? Oh, well over that. He's at 83.4 thousand followers. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got to have a couple 10,000 followers. Wow. That's what I mean. I mean, little little interactions. It's amazing what they can do. Yeah. And, you know, but, this feels like a very natural closing point. Do you have any closing words? I don't, really. I don't. <laughs> Other than the fact that I love you and I miss you and I wish that we were on the same coast. But hopefully soon, yes, because so. it's been a long time. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in like over a year, which is crazy because I'm so used to you being like a five minute drive away. Not even a five minute, yeah. like a like not even, yeah. Walk, like <laughs> it was yeah. always like, okay, Rachel, I'm coming over, and then 30 seconds later, I'm here. Let yeah, me it's in. like you didn't even tell me you were there. You just opened the door, <laughs> opened the door, walked down the stairs. Hello, I'm here. Yep, I, I still have that video of me just sitting in the dark in my bed. Yep. And all of a sudden, you just like <laughs> stick your head around the door and you're just like, oh, I'm here. Hello. Hello, I'm here. Hi, I'm mom. cuddling with my dog. <laughs> yes. And the, the the shark stuffed animal. Yes. Like the giant Sorry, shark. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. The, that was the highlight was like Mika and the shark. Yes, Sarifa. But thank oh you God. so much, Kristen. This was amazing. Of and course. I really, really appreciate it. You know, I love you so much. And you definitely made my first episode hosting a lot easier, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I was, I was very, very nervous to do this alone, you know, because I mean, I had the idea. I knew I wanted to do this, but, you know, I approached Naomi and I was like, Naomi, can you do this with me? Like, I love you. We have this great repertoire, like back and forth. Like you'd be perfect for this. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, now that I don't have her anymore, I was very scared, you know, of keeping up the conversation and being able to like have this good conversation flow and back and forth. So you definitely took a big weight off my shoulders and I really, really appreciate it. You did great going solo for the first time. So I'm very proud of you. Thank as you. As always, but I'm very proud of you. Thank you. And I will definitely, definitely arrange for a time to go see you because I really miss you and I need to see Please you. Please do. Uh, you need to come see Seattle, girl. It's I really do. Here. I would love to. Yes. Just hop on a plane. You are always welcome here. I have plenty of room for you. So. And I'm fully vaccinated too. So <gasps> Me too. Oh my gosh. Look at us. Hot girl summer means being Hot girl fully summer. vaccinated. <laughs> yes, ma'am. All right. Well, love that for us. Thank you so much, Kristen. I love you so, so much. And have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye.